0: What to do about the pooping All this chatter about why pooping has gotten harder is all well and good, but you're here because you want to know what to do about it. So let's look at the most common scenarios and some super special ones, too. As we do so, something to keep in mind above all else, this is all new. The feeling of warm, squishy poop next to your child's bum is the norm. A free-falling poop into a pit of sorts can be scary. It's our social norm to put our poop in a container. But remember, for the better part of two years, your child's norm has been the diaper. There are so many facets to why pooping is so dramatic that I've broken the topic down into digestible parts. Let's take a few minutes and talk about the many things that are going on during your basic poop in the potty. First, there is the slight unconscious withholding. This is a huge concern for a lot of parents. It might look like this. Your child used to poop two or three times a day in a diaper. Now you officially start potty training and no poop. There may be resistance to actually sitting on the potty. Some children will say a variation of, my bum hurts. Or she may say nothing and there's just no poop. The trick here to remember right from the get-go is that poop is personal in a very primal way. I think we as adults understand that when it comes to ourselves, but somehow we forget it when it comes to kids. Poop is one of the few things we can truly call our own. Here's another way to look at it. It's said that the mouth and teeth are highly emotional, which is why so many people panic at a trip to the dentist. It's an orifice. It's mine. Don't go in there, right? Well, that's an orifice everyone can see, for God's sake. The butthole was not meant for scrutiny. And yet here we are all up in our kids' business and what they keep up there. This whole process was kept tucked away in a diaper. Of course, you did change the diaper, but you had no part in how the poop came out, right? You had no idea how the process worked for your kid. You probably saw a poop face, but that's just when it got pushed out. We have no idea how long it took to park itself on the off-ramp. So now you start potty training, and it's like this glaring spotlight has now been put on your kid's butt and what it produces. Let's take another minute to talk about that glaring spotlight on an otherwise private function. The anus is a sphincter muscle. It opens and closes with emotion. This is one of my favorite lines in this book. I'm even thinking of getting t-shirts made, because I am not well. I'll give you an example by way of another big sphincter muscle, the cervix. The cervix is one of the major muscles responsible for a baby's journey out into the world. Ina Mae Gaskin, a world renowned midwife, explains how the cervix needs to be open to effectively give birth. She also notes that it can slam shut. Even when the voluntary muscles get tired, the sphincters don't get tired. Those are connected to the organs that fill up with something the bladder, uterus, intestines. They expand and contract and when they yawn open, whatever is inside comes out, and then they close again. But they work better in privacy. They're shy, and this is true of humans and most animals. We seek privacy to allow our sphincters to do their jobs, jobs that at the most basic level have to do with hormone levels in the body. For example, oxytocin levels in blood rise when something big comes out, whether it's a baby or a bowel movement. Laughter is one thing that can help open the sphincters. I ask women to laugh when they're having a baby because it helps the process along. It also adds to oxytocin and endorphin levels. But on the converse, if someone is afraid or feels violated, for example, the sphincter can slam shut. Now, she has been known to illustrate this point in her birth classes. She puts a big silver bowl in the middle of the room with a $100 bill in it. Anyone who can poop in the big silver bowl can have the hundred dollars So far, no one's been able to So here we are potty training and the potty chair is pretty much in the middle of the room Even if only metaphorically speaking, right? The spotlight is on the potty chair. The spotlight is on the child and the poop We're expecting the child to poop in the silver bowl and it doesn't always work that way The tricky part is that you can't give your child complete privacy when they are learning something. They can't be left alone because they most likely need your help in recognizing the feeling of needing to poop and manipulating the actual getting to and on the potty chair. I generally find parents are not tolerant of any stalling on the child's part when it comes to poop. The parents have decided to potty train and expect everything to just flow the way it did in the relative privacy of the diaper. When things don't flow that smoothly, the parents confuse the delay with the child not being ready. In fact, the complete opposite is true. The earlier you potty train, the less your child is aware of the general need for privacy during this bodily function. The older child will be very aware and will thus show increased resistance. As the cervix does, the anus relaxes in an environment that is gentle. An environment without a lot of fanfare and words. An environment that is relaxed, semi-private, and perhaps filled with laughter. The more normal and routine you can make pooping for your child, the more relaxed the anus is going to be. The glaring spotlight of this whole process can back some kids up, not to the point of true constipation, but to where they're not pooping the normal once or twice a day. That's totally normal. The analogy to labor carries through. When you are in labor, you want someone sure and steady by your side. You don't want someone over-talking logic and reason. You don't want someone high-strung. And you certainly don't want anyone breathing down your neck to get it done. Patience, consistency, and understanding are what will make this normal for your child. I realize providing privacy is hard with a small child who is just learning a new skill but there are some ways you can help. In the very beginning stages of potty training, I suggest you keep the potty chair wherever your child spends the most time. But that doesn't mean it has to be in the middle of the room. The pooping process can be discreet without being behind closed doors. You can be by your child's side, but not all up in his business. Seriously, do not spread your kid's butt cheeks to see if the poop is coming. A hard urge to resist, but resist you must. A really great trick is to get your child sitting for a poop and all of a sudden think of something you need to do in the other room. Tell him to sit tight. You'll be right back. Nine times out of ten, the child will poop when you are gone for a minute. In fact, a huge telltale sign that it's time to potty train right now is when your child goes somewhere specifically to poop. Don't miss that window of opportunity. The goal is to take that glaring spotlight off your kid and off this process. No one wants to poop with all eyes on them. Of course, a nice high five and a yahoo once the deed is done is perfectly fine. If your child isn't pooping in those first few days, relax. This isn't willful, and it's not manipulation. It's a normal process of wanting to keep what's theirs, theirs. Ina Mae Gaskin ends her discussion of sphincter muscles with this. If someone is afraid or feels violated, the sphincter will slam shut. Of course, she's referring to the cervix and birth, and I'm referring to the anus and poop. Same difference. A sphincter by any other name is still a sphincter. Now, that brings us to the next logical point. Why on earth would a child feel afraid or violated during potty training? Well, for a lot of reasons, actually, none of which have to do with readiness. I already mentioned the privacy issue. Putting a glaring spotlight on a private function can feel violating. Of course, I'm not talking about the kinds of horrible violations you sometimes see on the news. I'm talking more the embarrassing kind of violation. But nonetheless, on a primal level, it can feel violating. The same kind of embarrassing feeling of violation that makes us not want to blow a bunch of farts when we're in a public restroom and someone's in the next stall. I know you know what I'm talking about. Let's look at why a child might be afraid of pooping on the potty. For starters, it's new. Toddlers are known routine lovers. Diapers have been their routine since, hmm, about two hours after birth. Think about that. Your child may well have been in a diaper before he even fed for the first time. Wow. It's pretty crazy when you look at it, huh? So yeah, something this big and new is going to throw him. You know how most kids go through a period of separation anxiety when they're apart from you? Well, they've known and loved a diaper about as long as they've known and loved you. So it's fair to say the fear can be equated with a sort of separation anxiety. I use many phrases to describe what a diaper might mean to a kid. A habit, a routine, an addiction, a security blanket. Behind the words is the same notion. Pooping in a diaper is all your child has known. Now, you and I logically know about waste management, the toxicity of fecal matter, and the wonders of the sewer system. But once again, let's look at this through toddler eyes. Since the dawn of your kid's time, he has pooped in a diaper. Maybe he knows you go elsewhere to do your business. Maybe he knows you don't wear a diaper. Maybe he knows other grown-ups go elsewhere to do their business. But probably not. Because toddlers don't really give a crap about anyone but themselves, as witnessed by the never-ending required messaging, please share. This is all totally normal, and I think kind of cool. Anyway, All this is by way of saying, don't expect your toddler to come to the logical conclusion that one day, he too will be pooping in that same designated place. In fact, expecting anything logical at all from your toddler would be your first mistake. Your kid, for probably around two years, has been pooping the only way he knows how, and then one day, you ask him to poop elsewhere. Do you see how this could be met with resistance? Imagine if you came to visit me at my house, and I told you that we only poop in the corner of my living room. I tell you up, down, and sideways that it's okay. We all do it. Really. I'll give you privacy. Please, please poop in the corner of my living room. Don't worry. I'll clean it up. No matter what, it would still feel wrong. Am I right, or am I right? because you know logically that it's unsanitary, and you have long been conditioned to poop in the proper place. Ah, the magic words, conditioned to poop in the proper place. How do you condition a small human whose logical reasoning is not developed? Funny you should ask. I'll take consistency and repetition for $1,000. That is the name of the pooping game, guys. Consistency and repetition. Why else might your child be afraid of pooping on the potty? If you are eating while listening to this, you might want to stop for a bit. Look, all your child has known, in addition to a diaper, is the warm, cozy feeling of her poop against her butt. That feeling is her normal. It's her safe, her routine. It seems pretty gross to us as grown-ups, but it feels really good to kids. Mostly because it's all they know. I've actually worked with kids who can say outright, I like the warm feeling of my pee and poop in my diaper. Good thing they're cute, huh? And of course, let's not forget the fear of the toilet itself. Over the years, I've heard every manner of monsters that live in the toilet. It's all fun and games to flush until it's time to actually put their own tushies there. Again, looking through the kids' eyes. They don't understand where the toilet flushes to dang logic. And then we ask them to expose a very personal, vulnerable part of their anatomy to this gaping chasm of God knows what. So yeah, it can be scary. Some children will parlay that fear right over to the little potty. But most kids get a real kick out of seeing just what and how much they produced, which can be freakishly large, and dumping it in the toilet. This is why I always recommend a little potty chair. I think they are brilliant. The little pot keeps the poop at least semi-close. It's a literal way for them to see what came out of them. It can be scary to give up what feels like a big part of yourself and not have it close by, at least for a while. The little potty chair is tremendously useful in getting the right amount of squat to properly evacuate. If your child is having trouble pooping on the big toilet insert, you should try the little potty chair with books under his feet. All in all, when you are potty training, you're redirecting a lifelong habit. It may be a short life thus far, but still a lifelong habit. As with so many habits that are instilled for any length of time, it's best to stop the habit cold turkey. Have you tried to get a kid to stop sucking on a binky? What works is throwing the binky out and dealing with the fallout, if there is one. Do you think it would be effective to let the child have the binky for an hour in the morning but no other time? Probably not. Toddlers don't think logically, they don't know time. Same thing with diapers. Many parents take the fear or resistance as a sign that the child is not ready. This is not true. In fact, the longer you keep your child in diapers, the longer this habit gets entrenched, the more attached the child is to the habit the more normal the warm feeling of pee and poop against his skin becomes. It becomes harder and harder with passing time to get the kid to give this up. The resistance and fear actually increase, which is what leads to epic power struggles. Not getting any poop at all This problem has many different forms. The first couple of days, we can't really make a call. As I've stated many other places in this book, The first few days are learning. We can't say for certain what's going on until we see a pattern emerge. It's very common for your child not to poop on the first or second day of potty training. There's a lot of pressure, even from the most chill parents. And there's some performance anxiety. This natural pressure is why we want to keep everything low-key and relaxed. Within this broad category of no poops, there are a few variations. If your child seems to be doing fine with peeing and attempting to sit to try to poop, don't worry at all about the poop. It will come. If your child is clearly doing a poop dance, you know they have to go, they know they have to go, and they sit, pop up, sit, pop up, walk on tiptoes and the like, it's okay. Don't try to rush them. I've seen this dance go on for up to 10 hours. Reassure them that poop goes in the potty. Always use words like let go, slide, let it out, drop. Think passive words. For kids, poop usually does tend to slide out, and in fact, they are doing much more work by holding it. Remind them that they can use either the little pot or the toilet insert. Some kids have a clear preference. Offer to read to them or just sit with them. Remember, this is a new sensation. It can be freaky because it's new. This dance and poop troubles never have anything to do with readiness. Most often, the poop will come in due time, and it will land in the potty or toilet. What if the poop dance has gone on and on and on, and of course, the minute you aren't watching, it lands on the floor? This is okay for the first one or two poops. Well, it's not okay, actually, but it's not going to derail the process. Just remind your child that it's not okay to poop on the floor, and that poop goes in the potty. Validate the feelings. I know it feels very strange, and you must put your poop in the potty. If your child seems weirded out by the poop, you always want to validate that feeling. You are never ever going to convince her that it doesn't feel strange, or at the very least, new. If the poop comes the minute you turn your back, usually this poop is also done in the corner, This is great news. This child simply needs more privacy. As I've mentioned before, you can get him situated on the potty and then forget something in the other room. Nine times out of ten, the poop will come when you are out of the room. I'll mention this again later on, but oftentimes when a kid is doing an elaborate poop dance, walking around holding her butt, usually on tippy toes, and it's very clear they have to go, the best approach is actually backing off. You can just throw out there, I can tell you have to poop, there's your potty, or you can use the big toilet. This is a perfect time to be sure you are not over-talking. You need to give her some room to make a good decision. If you have done all of this and you are consistently getting poops in the pants or the floor, it's time to amp things up a bit. One thing that can really help is actually having your child help you clean up. Obviously, don't let your child handle the actual poop but have him go get clean clothes and change himself. Take your time about it. The idea is that it should start to register that it takes a lot more time out of play to clean up than to just sit and do it on the potty. You don't want to let your child dump the poop and flush it down. That's the part of the process that is usually fun, and so he doesn't get to do that unless he sat for the whole deal. The next thing you might need to do is provide a small, immediate consequence. Some parents balk at this. You do not want to give consequences in the first couple of days when your child is still learning. But after you are pretty certain she knows the ropes, at least in theory, it's okay to give a small consequence. As I said, it should be small and immediate. Usually taking away whatever she is playing with at the time or taking her out of that activity does the trick. Time-outs are usually ineffective, as are longer-term, more distant consequences, like taking away dessert after dinner. Little kids don't have the thought process to connect such separate events. The reason you want to give a consequence is that, once he knows the drill and is still pooping in his pants or on the floor, you're dealing with a behavior issue. Whether it's intentional rebelliousness or just being lazy, it's still behavior. The consequence shouldn't be mean or draconian, but should simply reinforce cause and effect in a way that actually affects him. When pooping in his pants isn't enough of an effect, and for some children it isn't, we need to add another component. You can also refer to Chapter 13, Behavior Versus Potty Training, for more on this. When I met former client Rachel, her son was pretty well potty trained. He would pee on his own, but pooping in his pants was a recurring issue. Rachel really balked at giving a consequence. To her, it felt wrong to punish her son, Sean. Upon further discussion with her, it became clear that Sean fell into the lazy category. He just didn't want to leave his activity. She tried pausing the activity to encourage him to use the potty. No dice. She tried bringing a toy to the potty. No dice. She even tried having him help clean up, but since he couldn't really touch the poop, it didn't seem to faze him. When I suggested a consequence, she fought me tooth and nail. She didn't see the difference between a consequence and a reward, and she preferred to reward rather than punish. I'll tell you what I told Rachel and what I'll say in the book many times. I don't believe in rewards for expected behavior. If you want to give it a go, that's fine. I've personally seen it create much more trouble than good. I don't think a sticker or a little candy is enough to change a behavior. I also don't think sticker charts work. I don't think a child has the thought process to say, Oh, I have four stickers this week, three more, and I get a prize. I've seen kids learn to meter out pee and poop to get more rewards, and I've seen candy create bigger power struggles during potty training. It's not worth it. Occasionally, I will see a kid who I can't quite figure out, has he actually learned it or not? And even in that case, a small consequence can help. Again, this doesn't require being mean. It's just a way of bumping up the child's level of caring about learning the new skill. Rachel ended up taking away a small toy every time Sean pooped in an inappropriate place. It wasn't drama-filled or anything. Just a you-do-this-and-I-do-that bumping-up of consequences. Within two days, Sean was pooping on the potty just fine. For whatever reason, he just needed that extra external motivation. I'll say more about this in Chapter 13, Behavior versus Potty Training. If several days have gone by and you are not getting any poop at all, it's very important to clean your child out you can consult with your pediatrician regarding some child-approved stool softeners. A big potential problem with child-friendly stool softeners is getting the right dosage. I suggest you go easy on the dosage to begin with. We just want to soften things up, not create a mess. Poop foods, high-fiberish, are fine as well, but often don't have quite the same effect as a stool softener, and if you overdo them, some can be constipating. I know many moms have successfully used pediatric suppositories. I used to think suppositories were an end-of-the-line extreme measure. Slowly, more and more moms were reporting back to me that they used suppositories to great effect. It's something to consider if you are having trouble with a child holding. Two things I think are great is that, one, suppositories have no side effects, and two, the poop comes within 15 to 30 minutes. Often a stool softener can take up to a day to work its magic, and still more often, can create a poopy mess. The big problems with backed-up poop are that A, it will get hard and create some pain when it finally does come, and B, it can really press up against the bladder, causing many more pee accidents. Past rectal pain or any butt trauma Consider whether your child has had any sort of rectal pain before. I've worked with all kinds of kids who've had all kinds of butt trauma. Some kids have constipation from an early age. Some kids have needed surgery on their genitals or anus. Some kids have had blood in their stools. If your child has had any kind of rectal pain or butt trauma, naturally, we want to take potty training slow and easy. Always start potty training with some sort of stool softener. You absolutely want the first potty training poops to be easy ones. Always validate to your child that you know he has had a hard time in the past. Try not to ever use the word hurt. Once a child associates that word with the potty and starts using it, it's very hard to ascertain if he truly is in pain or just doesn't want to go. The word hurt is the quickest way to get straight to your heart. Instead, I use phrases like, had a hard time, It's been uncomfortable, etc. We don't want to add any emotional charge to this process. For kids with trauma, you can't convince them that it's going to be easy. They know it has hurt in the past, and that's all they know. This is when a little mommy magic can go a long way. Much as the placebo effect of your kiss heals most wounds, we can use your mommy magic here for poop. You can give the stool softener in juice— This works well with prune juice, and call it magic poop juice. You can cast a magic spell around the potty chair, or with a wand on your child's head. My poop slides out, I flush it down. I'm the smartest girl in town, or something similar. If your child will let you, you can put some Vaseline or coconut or olive oil around her anus. Call it magic poop lotion. Any other magic you think will resonate with your child is worth a try to smooth this process. These suggestions may sound utterly ridiculous to you, but I assure you, they work wonders. I've had lots of kids drink the magic poop juice down and declare within minutes that they have to poop. What's important to remember is that they're dealing with a made-up fear turned into a real one, so any way you can dispel the fear is good. Your child is really trying to make it to the potty, but is one second and half a loaf too late. This kid is awesome, and we have to give him props for trying. He just needs to recognize the feeling a little sooner. You can help him by showing him, drum roll please, the really gross and really effective Play-Doh poop trick. I swear to God, one of the biggest problems with kids and those first few poops on the potty is they can't see what's going on. The feeling hits and a chasm is opening, and it freaks them the heck out. Here's a little trick that I find helps kids visually connect the feeling with what's happening. When they have this visual, it clicks. Oh, so when this happens, I need to get to the potty. This is great for kids who seem to be doing their best to get to the potty, but are not quite making it. You can also use it for the kid who dances around for 10 hours, hops on and off the potty, and still seems weirded out by pooping. Get yourself some Play-Doh. Bonus points if you use brown. Make a fist. The spot where your thumb curls around your index finger is a reasonable facsimile of the anus. Ta-da! Now your visual is ready. Put the brown Play-Doh in your fist and squeeze some out. Yep, totally gross. Kids love it. Explain to them, when your poop is here, tucked inside your fist, but wants to come out, you tell me. When your poop is here, squeezing out of the fist, it's already out and it's too late. If you feel really brave, you can explain what all happens with the anus opening. This is usually very fun and informative for the child. For most kids, a total light bulb goes off for them. And for you, it's yet another parenting moment of thinking, never in my life would I have seen myself doing this. Your child is doing great with pee but seems afraid of pooping. This child is doing mostly great, but the poops keep landing in her pants or on the floor. I just want to be very clear, because the distinction is important. This child is not afraid of pooping. This child is afraid of pooping on the potty. The number one thing to remember in the case of this child is that the fear is real for him. As with any other fear, the monster under the bed, water, or whatever, no amount of convincing on your part is going to change his mind so stop trying. If you're dealing with this child, you have a parenting call to make, and I do not feel comfortable advising exactly what to do because it will depend upon your child and you know your child best. What I can do is to give you some ideas. Most often, I tell parents to do what they would do with any other toddler fear. If your toddler fears a monster under the bed, you don't keep her up all night, right? you probably combine some sternness with some magical thinking, like using a stuffed animal sentry or a no more monsters spray. Same idea applies to potty training. Having your child's stuffed animal use the potty first seems to work miracles. Also, having your child on the potty in the bathroom while you are going works well too. Phew! That's a lot of pooping information. Come back to this chapter later if you need to. Don't try to digest all this info if it's your first time through the book. The biggest deal with poop is that you have to be calm, regardless of what your child is doing. Remember, the opposite of holding it is letting go. Make it safe for your child to let go. That means you stay calm and steady. Chapter 11 Prior Attempts at Potty Training Over the years, I've been called upon increasingly often to fix potty training attempts gone awry. Most people run into trouble because they've waited too long or have been too casual about it. This chapter is for you if you've made any attempt at all to potty train that hasn't gone well. I want to be clear. I'm not saying this is your fault. Still, you've probably made some classic mistakes if your potty training hasn't been successful. Often with my clients, I'm not called in until the entire process has disintegrated into a huge disaster. Parents' nerves are frayed, if not completely shot. Kids are ridiculously resistant, pooping on floors, running and screaming from the potty chair, disrespecting and ignoring parents, who, to be fair, are pretty hysterical. I've seen it all, and I am not exaggerating. I know this is shocking, but potty training elicits all kinds of emotions from both your child and you. Still, sometimes what looks like chaos, once pulled apart, is a relatively easy fix. While every child and every situation is slightly different, I have divided troublesome trainings into four main categories, which I'll label only to give you a clearer idea of what you are working with. 1. Kind of potty trained. 2. Mostly potty-trained. Three, clueless. Four, the child from hell. So let's go through each category and figure out what went wrong and how to fix it. The kind of potty-trained child. This most often results from a let's just put out the pot or a we're just being really casual about this attitude. Translation, you haven't really committed. Once you commit to potty training, your child's abilities will follow in short order. Where to go from here? Just pick a day and begin. Follow all the instructions in Chapter 5, Ditch the Diapers, the How-To. This child is just waiting for you to show up with consistency. It doesn't much matter what the specifics are. Maybe you haven't committed because he hasn't really shown much interest. To this, I say, he may never show that much interest. My son didn't show any interest in learning to tie his shoes. In fact, he said he didn't want to. I bought only tie shoes, and he learned. It came down to the fact that I knew he was capable of it. Don't make the mistake of waiting for your child. There's a great quote I keep hearing from parents again and again. Wow, it's like he was just waiting for me to take off the diapers. Yes, your child expects you to take the lead in life. It's good. The kind of potty-trained child is an easy fix. With consistency and repetition, this child should be done in a short amount of time, as long as you just pick a day and start in with block one. The mostly potty-trained child. This kid is a little harder. The biggest problem here is that no one knows exactly what's going on in this kid's mind. She knows what to do and when to do it, and mostly does it just fine. However, she can hold pee and or poop until she has a diaper on, naps, and bedtime. She may even request a diaper to poop in. As best I can tell, this scenario is the result of waiting too long, though you most likely are not doing anything wrong right now. It's possible that you may have a power struggle on your hands in this case, but not usually. No, this one we can generally chalk up to toddler weirdness. After about two and a half years, toddlers come up with any number of bizarre fears. The beloved vacuum becomes a source of terror. The bed becomes a home for monsters. The dark all of a sudden becomes scary. And not surprisingly, the toilet holds all kinds of dark secrets that toddlers want no part of. Sometimes, peeing and pooping, for some unknown toddler reason, becomes something not to do. For this child, it's absolutely best to just give up all diapers. You can go back and breeze through the blocks of learning. It might be helpful to see if she is successful with the potty while naked, and the trouble comes when you try to put clothes on her. I would definitely review Chapter 10, Poop. Still, you really have no option but to ditch the diapers. There will most likely be some fighting and some dancing around, but in the end, it's worth the struggle. A lot of parents feel like they are traumatizing the child by taking the diapers away. They're not. I've mentioned before that I've had clients whose kids were kicked out of kindergarten for not being properly trained. They had to poop while at school and could only poop in a diaper they requested. They were asked to leave. That, to me, is truly traumatizing. Avoiding that trauma is worth a weekend of struggle. Most often, poop is the problem for this child, not pee. A good approach is to give a mild stool softener and say, We are not using any diapers anymore. You should poop during the day on the potty, like Mommy and Daddy do. This child is almost always older and quite articulate. No matter what, you should ask your child what she thinks the problem is. I've heard kids say wild things. There's a shark transformer in the toilet bowl, and if I poop, he's gonna come eat my butt, is just one example. It's good to find out what your child is thinking. Even if it seems absurd to you, it is totally valid to your child. You may simply have to reassure your child that nothing bad is going to happen if they poop or pee in the toilet. Make sure you're not pressuring your child. This problem will not be solved by any amount of begging, bargaining, asking, or logic. You also want to check in with your poop values. Remember those? Your poop values are how you feel about pooping. If you're sending the message that pooping is the most disgusting thing on the planet, your child probably will have an issue with poop. Bottom line, make the new way, no diapers, an absolute, regardless of the emotional fallout. I often take this out of the potty training context to explain it better. Say you have to suddenly move. You don't want to move, nor does your child but you have to move next week. You can't change that. You can only move forward and do your best with the resulting behavior. With this child and potty training, you want to take that same approach. You have to know that continuing diapers potentially could lead to even more trouble down the road. This is the new way, period. The Clueless Child This child shows no indication of knowing what the hell you are talking about when you say potty. Assuming there are no emotional or developmental delays, the truly clueless child is probably too young, which isn't to say it can't be done, just that it will take longer. Remember, the truly clueless will pee as she is walking, slip on the pee, and still not know what the hell just happened. The flip side of the clueless and too young child is the clueless and too old child. If your child is over three years of age and appears to be clueless, she is pretending. She is under the impression that if she ignores potty training, it will go away. If your child is younger than 22 months and shows absolutely no indication that she knows what's happening, you might want to try again in a month or two. Be careful, though. Make sure this isn't just an excuse on your part. Make sure there's really no indication. She's truly clueless. Go back to Chapter 2, When to Start, and review the markers that I discussed. If your child shows even the slightest indication that she knows what's happening, you should move forward with potty training. You may have to work a little harder or be a little more vigilant, but you shouldn't give up. A very different species is the clueless older child. This child will appear deaf to prompting, may completely ignore you, and pretty much act like he's never heard the word potty in his life. In this case, you should refer to Chapter 15, Younger Than 20 Months, older than three years. I've seen this scenario fixed in half a day, and I've seen it take two days, so be prepared. Don't be afraid to enlist someone's help. Sometimes you, the parent, are too enmeshed emotionally. Have a friend, babysitter, or grandma help out. Results are usually quicker with someone else, just because our kids like to drive us crazy. Whatever you do, when you decide it's time for potty training to happen, you cannot go back to diapers. And be very, very careful not to threaten that you will go back to diapers. This child can be working your very last nerve. Be sure you are giving good attention and love elsewhere. I've seen parents get very resentful and be sort of bitchy all the time with this type of kid. All the more reason to clean it up once and for all. The Child from Hell This child is the best of the worst. He is similar to the clueless older child, except he's way more vocal about wanting potty training to disappear. This child is almost always older than three, and he means business. He will not potty train. Something happened along the way during potty training, the result of which is that he has decided not to play along with you. It could have been anything, big or small. I wouldn't waste too much time going over what you may or may not have done. The most important thing to remember is that kids age 3 and up are fully capable of understanding all aspects of potty training. He isn't saying no because of mixed messages or confusion. He is saying no to piss you off and or assert his will. This situation requires immediate action because this child is cutting off his nose to spite his face just to prove he can. With a child from hell, you have a true power struggle. He knows where pee and poop go. He is aware of the feeling of having to go. He is aware of the frustration and drama he is creating. Consequently, it's time for you to be a little hardcore. This child needs no coddling, praise, or other accolades around potty training, because he's saying, fuck you. It's wise to keep in mind that this situation, or the resultant power struggle, is rarely about potty training. This is about who is running your house. And I bet if you've gotten to this point, it's not you who's running the show. I'm not saying that to cast blame or judgment. Our kids are constantly walking this line, and we can lose control without even realizing it. If this sounds like your situation, first, take a deep breath and be kind to yourself. This happens sometimes, and the idea is to fix it, not ruminate on how it got that way. On the other hand, I'm going to be hardcore with you. Things have to change now, for reasons of dignity. Your child is too smart and too old to be using a diaper, period. And if your child is using this as a method of being disrespectful to you in any way, you want to change that now. Logistically speaking, you'll be hard-pressed to find a preschool or kindergarten that will accept an untrained child Also, it almost goes without saying, but do you want your child to learn to use the potty through shaming by his peers? Four- and five-year-olds are already starting to tease, taunt, and call names What do you think is going to happen to your child who's still not trained? It won't be pretty This child requires the big guns A combination of all our tools. When it does become time to train, he's probably too big for the little potty chair, so go right for the toilet. I would give this child the benefit of the doubt that there could be a gap in learning, so go ahead and proceed through the blocks as described earlier in the book, but do so at a fast pace. Because in reality, this is probably just a behavior issue. Still, it's good to be sure. You definitely want to ditch all the diapers at once. There just can be no other option. You also want to utilize silence. Your child has you wound tight right now. I'm sure you have tried everything. So now, try nothing. Stop the dance around him. You may need to stay home and keep your child home for a few days. There will most likely be a full day of accidents. But again, there's only so far a kid will go when there's no show around it. What's the point of consistently peeing yourself when mom doesn't react? If your child is pooping on the floor, I want to emphasize that this isn't about potty training. It's simply total disrespect. If this is happening, as I discuss further in Chapter 15, younger than 20 months, older than 3 years, you probably need more specific help than I can offer via this book. I would honestly and gently say you may need a family therapist you have a bigger issue than just poop. Assuming no greater looming psychological issues, though, if you can manage to stay absolutely neutral for a day or two, your child should get on board. I cannot stress this enough. It's your reaction that is fueling your child, who, to be fair, is being a pain in the ass, so cut yourself some slack. The child from hell is an expert at appearing to not care about anything. Rewards, punishments— Nothing seems to affect him, which is absolutely infuriating. A good way to deal with this situation is to think, what is she getting from this? There's always a payoff when a child is acting out of control, be it physical or emotional. Think of what your child's payoff is and remove it. As in any of the other cases we've discussed, be sure to confine the potty issues to the potty. Sometimes these kids seem so bad that parents start to dislike them and it flows out into other areas of life. Be sure to give lots of love and hugs and positive attention around the good things your child does. I know it can be tricky, but you can do it. I wouldn't use these words in any other area of parenting but this the child from hell scenario is about winning. You need to win this particular fight. It's about who's in charge, and it simply has got to be you. If your child is running the show, it's unsafe. When I say when, I don't mean you should engage in a power struggle, but you should mean business. It most likely will not be easy, but it will be better in the long run for your child and the harmony of your home. The new way must be the absolute, and that means putting pee and poop in the potty. So, to recap. If you're dealing with any of these scenarios, you'll need to go through the blocks of learning discussed in Chapter 5, Ditch the Diapers, the How-To. Your child may breeze through or get stuck on some, but the process should give you a more organized sense of what went wrong and where. If you think you need a big breather to gain some fortitude, that is fine. In Chapter 16, The Reset, I lay out the plan for re-diapering while you regroup. Every one of the groups of kids I've described could do a reset if you think you need one Don't worry, a reset is not a step back We need you in the right frame of mind You are driving this particular car Chapter 12 Daycares and other caregivers Okay, daycares can throw a major wrench in the potty training process I used to believe that everything hinged on having your daycare on board. But I've changed my mind a bit and have helped many, many parents negotiate success with or without the daycare's cooperation. Before you even begin potty training, find out your daycare's policy. Most larger daycares will have a formal policy. Home daycares and nanny situations may not have a formal policy, but they'll still have their own opinion of how this should go down so find out. Ask them many questions. Many daycares say they will work with you, but you'll find later that they really won't. Alternately, they may have some weird notions of what they can and can't do. It's best to find out what they do before you walk in on a Monday morning and are shocked. Some daycares are well-versed in potty training and will help as much as they can. The bummer is that most aren't, so here's the unsugar-coated version of what's going on. In September 2012, I was inundated with emails from all over the country. These were official positions from daycares, specifically stating that children must be fully potty trained while wearing a pull-up. The diaper was not to be removed until the child could stay dry in said pull-ups for two solid weeks. I have no idea what went on in the world to create this official stance but it was very strange coming from so many different places in the country simultaneously. Somehow this became the official policy of many daycares. I get it. It's not easy for a daycare to deal with potty training. Not having to deal with potty training is a huge load off their minds and hands. Potty training a large group of children isn't easy, I realize. I also realize that each state may have its own regulations regarding certain aspects of potty training such as clean up and having a child go unassisted to the bathroom. Still, I want to point out the ludicrousness of this supposed policy. How on earth can you expect a child to learn a new behavior while actively engaging in the old behavior? Have you ever tried to get a kid to eat broccoli while he's munching on candy? Or let's say you want to cut down on TV watching. By this logic, you should keep the TV on until the child is ready to watch less. This is nearly impossible, and actually requires a huge amount of skill and thought from a child. It really, really makes my head almost explode. The people who should be the most informed about child development are all just nodding their heads as if this new recommendation makes perfect sense. W-T-F! So, back to daycares. What I've heard from many providers is they simply don't have the time to attend to a child with the speed necessary during potty training. In other words, they know that when a kid's gotta go, he's gotta go now, and they can't respond that quickly. That's kind of messed up, don't you think? It makes me wonder how long these kids are sitting in dirty diapers. What is more important than learning a life skill? Imagine if a daycare offered to potty train. Holy crap, they'd have a waiting list five years long and could charge double. What are they doing that's more important than that? Learning shapes and colors and dramatic play is all well and good, but learning to put pee and poop in the potty? Even better. Daycares are essentially screwing you, especially if you are a full-time working mom or dad, though I'm sure you're used to getting screwed by everything at this point, eh? Because immediately after daycare comes preschool. And guess what? Preschools demand absolute full-on potty trained. Ridiculous, yes? Yes. It ticks me off to no end, but the reality is I'm sure your daycare does care wonderfully for your child, and I'm sure you don't have much of a choice, so we'll deal with what we've got. I'll go through the best way to set you and your child up for success and how to deal with the less ideal scenarios. Take off as many days in a row as possible to start potty training. Something like a three-day weekend with one extra day tacked on is usually great, I know this is not the ideal way to spend a precious vacation day, but it's worth it in the end. If you can take even more time off, that's great. If daycare is a more social thing and not a necessity, consider keeping your child home for a couple of extra days. In that time frame, while potty training, really try to learn your child's pee pattern. Remember, that's how much and how often your child typically pees after X amount of fluid. The good news is, most daycares have a sort of formal routine for snacks and such, so usually fluid intake is controlled. Still, you want to have an overall awareness so you can pass on the information. As you are potty training, be sure you are saying to your child what you would like him to say. Remember when you are teaching bye bye, you probably very naturally said his words bye bye, Grandma, right? Probably in a high, squeaky voice, too. And eventually, he started saying, bye-bye. Same thing with potty training. So as you were getting him to the potty, you would say, Mama, go potty! Or, Mama, pee! Something along those lines. This is something that all parents should do, but it's especially important for you. Because ideally, we need your child asking to pee as soon as possible when he returns to the daycare. Realistically, though, self-initiation doesn't fully begin until one to three weeks after your start date. Don't worry about the nap diaper at daycare. Send a diaper. It's a pretty useless fight that you probably won't win. The commando issue is a big one that daycares resist. I think everyone is just weirded out by the idea of no underwear. I wouldn't even ask their opinion or permission if you can help it. Wearing underwear is simply too confusing for your child in the beginning. The snugness creates a muscle memory of a diaper, and the covering suggests privacy. I can almost bet you that your child will have more accidents if you put undies on her too soon. Many schools will claim it's a regulation. It very well may be, but try to get the actual wording of the regulation and see if there's a creative workaround. Sometimes it's about the poop dropping on the floor. See if your child can wear pants with elastics around the ankles to hold the poop. In my experience, a lot of daycares just really don't want to take this on, but remember, These people are in charge of your child for many hours. You don't want to be too contentious. Let's say it's gone pretty well at home. Your child is getting it but isn't done by any means. The day you return to daycare, fill the teacher in. When you first get there, take your child to the bathroom and show her the ropes and anything particular to school. If the bathroom is not accessible to your child, ask to have a putty chair in the room. If they don't allow that, I'd seriously considering moving daycares. It's imperative that your child have access to the bathroom. Not just for ease, but because ideally, we want your child doing this independently. Tell your child clearly who is available to help him. Name names. Point. Have a discussion with the adult and your child. Daycare can get confusing, and you want your child to be sure he knows who to ask for help even if it seems totally obvious. In pointing out a source of help, scope out his favorite teacher. There's always a preferred staff at daycare. Look for the good cop, the sweet one, the patient one. Find her or him and give directives to that one. Don't go to the meanie if there is one. It's perfectly fine if they take the children at set intervals. It's not how I potty train at home, but with groups of children, it works wonders. The herd mentality works in our favor here. They need to be taking the children at least once an hour, preferably every 30 minutes or so. I had a daycare tell me they didn't have the time except for once every two hours. That's too long and kind of bullshit, if you ask me. If you know your child's pee-pee dance, let the care providers know. Again, there are obvious classic dances like hopping from foot to foot. But some kids get really quiet and some may get louder. Whatever your kid does, let the daycare know about it if you can. Arrange a special signal between the teacher and your child. The best one is having your child tug on the teacher's arm. I don't know why, but children sometimes get embarrassed about asking to go to the potty and drawing attention to themselves. You'd think pooping in your pants at the sand table would be at least equally embarrassing, but it's not. Go figure. Anyway, a nonverbal signal can nip this in the bud. Ask the teacher to please save your child's spot whenever she goes to the bathroom. This is a big one. Many, many children are fearful of losing their spot and or the toy they were playing with. Once they know they won't lose these, they are more likely to take potty breaks. Make sure the teacher isn't staring them down while they try to use the potty. Every place has a different arrangement. If there's a stall and low toilets, the teacher can take your child to the bathroom and semi-close the door. If there's potty chairs in the room, great. Just discourage hovering. I had a little girl, Emily, who was doing fine at home. However, at daycare, she would hold it and hold it, and she would try to sit but wouldn't pee. The teacher was getting sort of aggravated. After some questioning, it turns out she was hovering over Emily, pretty much demanding that something happen. It won't work that way. Once the teacher started being more casual and averting her own eyes, Emily did great. Same deal for pooping. Pooping needs privacy. Check out where the other kids are in the potty training process. If your child is the first one diving in, use that. Tell your child he's the first, and he can show them all how to do it. If he's the last, use it. Tell him he wants to be a big kid like the other kids. If there are others at the same stage, use it. Tell him who else is doing this so he's not alone. If daycare uses a reward system, it's fine. Just stay steady at home with no rewards. If your child asks for one at home, simply say, Oh no, that only happens at school, honey. In my experience, it's never been a problem or confusing. Not ideal, but the school has to deal with that potential treat monster. The children I've worked with have never had an issue with things being different at home. Those are all the big things. You don't want to overwhelm your daycare with a huge list of instructions. You should get a feel for how they are going to be with this by asking a few simple questions. A sample conversation might go something like this. Hi, we're going to start potty training Sally over the long weekend. We believe the best approach is to remove daytime diapers. We'd be delighted if you could help us in this process. How do you typically handle potty training? I'm sure you have vast experience. We'd like to combine forces with you for the most successful outcome for Sally. Do you take the children who are potty training to the washroom at certain intervals? How often? How many accidents do you allow before requesting a diaper be put on? As long as Sally is showing progress, I'm sure we can work on this together. I really value you as Sally's care provider. We feel the timing is right for potty training. Anything we can do to assist you, please let us know. In saying this, you've stated what you would like in no uncertain terms. You've done a fair amount of transparent ass-kissing, and you've stated how much you value the daycare. All good things. You most likely will get a response like, We'll work with you however you're doing it. Sounds great, but ask more questions. I've had so many parents gloss over this and end up with a nightmare. I don't know why, but daycares can cop an attitude regarding who knows more about child development. They may say, it won't happen till age three, or children can only potty train in pull-ups. Somehow, it becomes a little power struggle about who knows best. The best way is simply to state your desires for your child. A good daycare will do their best to work with you. What a daycare is not allowed to do is to re-diaper your child without your permission, unless there's an emergency such as an episode of diarrhea. Quick tangent. I potty trained Pascal at 22 months. He was at a lovely home daycare. The caregiver completely thought he was too young to potty train. Now, this might have been a cultural difference because she was fine with her 5-year-old drinking from a bottle. I told her he was doing great at home and we'd not had one single accident. She was appalled at his going commando. It was summer, and she felt that when he was playing, everyone could see his penis. I was like, who cares? They're all under two. She fought me on the nap diaper. I offered to bring in my own mattress and sheets for the crib. She refused. Anyway, it was a huge battle. I told her in no uncertain terms that he was not to be in a diaper. One day, I arrived there earlier than usual for pickup. He had a diaper on with his underwear over it. It was crazy. We switched daycares that day. Now, I live in a city that has many daycare options, and I realize this is not true for everyone. Still, it's so not cool for a daycare to agree with you to your face and then do something else entirely behind your back. My advice is to really get a feel for your care provider's attitude. You'll be able to tell just by body language, tone, and the words they choose how they are going to act. Again, this is where some daycares get huffy about their authority. Don't fight, but gently prod and fully express how you'd like potty training handled. Some daycares will pull out a policy, written down, because that means it's real, that states your child must stay in diapers until potty trained. Gently try to work your way around this. The best way is to act totally stupid. Like, gee, that's weird. I would think it'd be hard to learn something new while actively taking part in the old. Hmm, that seems very odd. If it looks like they won't budge, that's okay too. As I stated at the beginning of this chapter, I used to think this was the end of the world. But it's not. I used to write letters on behalf of my clients, even talk to daycares on the phone. Moms would be getting ulcers trying to knock sense into them. And yes, we got our way. But then we had daycare providers on edge. They were nervous wrecks, totally overprompting and hovering. No good. We need this process to be stress-free for your child. An anxious provider is going to derail things even more than a diaper. If your child has to wear a diaper at daycare, there's just not much you can do about it what you can do is keep with the diaper-free system at home. Most parents figure out a way to make this work. It should look something like this. Drop him off at daycare, go to the bathroom for a pee, put the diaper on him while in the bathroom. Tell him, this is in case there's an accident. You should tug on Miss Susie's arm when you have to go pee, or you can come by yourself, if that's true. Say no more and no less. You're not letting him off the hook of potty training. You're not suggesting he just used the diaper to pee in. You are being vague on purpose. You are assuming he will use the diaper as underpants. It's a hard way to potty train, but it's doable. Same deal for pickup. Go to the bathroom for a last pee before the car ride home. Take off the diaper and leave it there. In the proper receptacle, of course. Tell him, we're going home now, and you don't use diapers at home. Remember to tell me when you are going to go pee. What this does is to reinforce the notion that diapers are equated with daycare. It's a daycare thing, and oddly, this generally makes sense to the child. If the daycare is okay with changing diapers, so be it. Having to do diapers at daycare is not preferable, and it can make potty training drag out a bit, but not indefinitely. Still, having a stress-free environment, rather than fighting with daycare, is going to make this so much easier for all of you. I have also found that a little passive-aggressive behavior on your part never hurts. You can say something along the lines of, Well, she's doing great at home, but it's okay to wear a diaper here since you don't really handle potty training. I don't want you to be nervous. So yeah, act nice and slide the dig in. I understand if that's not your cup of tea, but it does work. I also find that daycare's attitudes depend on what you tell them, so be sure to focus on all the success. If you walk into daycare and tell them it's been nothing but a struggle, that's exactly what they are going to see and I swear partially create. If you go in telling them it's going great, they will feel the need to follow through with that. If it's going just okay at home, try not to say much of anything. If your child is having very little success at home, and I mean very little, it's okay. Some kids do take longer to potty train than others do. In such a situation, I'd be sure to check in with the daycare, honestly. Tell them you'd love to give it a shot at daycare without a diaper to see if she's just being obnoxious at home. I know this is shocking, but our kids can be angels with other people and save all their crappy behavior for us, the parents. Enlist the daycare's help as a resource. I know he's so good for you. We've done potty training this weekend, and it's going, eh. Would you be willing to try today to see if he does well with you? This usually gets a favorable response, again, thanks to some transparent ass-kissing. If your child is in daycare for a large portion of the day, you might want to consider daytime and nighttime potty training altogether at the same time. It can look overwhelming, so listen to Chapter 6, Nighttime Training, again, and give it some thought. If daycare insists on a diaper, and your child is there 8 hours a day, 5 days a week, she's going to have very little time left in the day without a diaper on. Just something to consider. So in summary, find out the daycare's policy and or how they handle potty training with details. If they are willing and able, go for it. If they seem resistant, try to bring them to the light. If they are adamant about a diaper, Call out their stupidity by acting really stupid yourself. If they insist on the diaper at daycare, proceed with potty training when your child is at home. If you need to fudge facts and act a little passive-aggressive, this is survival, baby. It's okay. Hey, where else do you get this free pass? The bottom line is, we can't hold off on potty training until daycares get on board. You will miss the window of opportunity. You also will not have much time to wrap things up before preschool starts. You want to gently push the issue as much as possible, but it's completely doable to potty train while your child is full or part time in daycare, even a resistant one. This is the end of the CD. The audiobook continues on the next CD.